Our scripture reading from uh, the epistles today comes from uh, Philippians chapter 2, our theme passage for this Christmas season. Would you open your Bibles or your phones or or the pew Bibles um, that you have before you and turn to the book of Philippians with me? And, um, And the way I find it is by thinking Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And turning to Philippians chapter 2, if you would. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read the entire passage and then just invite you uh, to join me in verses 5 through 7, our memory verse so far that we've been building together. Paul writes, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from His love, any participation or fellowship in the Spirit, Any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Join me, would you? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Thank you. Listen as I continue the passage, if you would. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then in one of the most beautiful doxologies, a song that they sang even in Paul's day, he quotes, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, the very Word of God. Our Gospel reading today comes from Luke chapter 1. You can find that on page 856 in your pew Bibles, starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, for now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things in me, and holy is his name. The very word of God. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
this beautiful song that Kristen and Marianne sang was um, Mary's song. Um, whenever God moved in powerful ways, people memorialized that in a song and, and celebrated that. So that here, 2,000 years later, we are singing the same song that Mary sang. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Or as, as our scripture um, as our scripture says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Um, do you remember last year when we talked about that passage? Um, we talked about um, your soul is a lens by which other people see God, right? Your soul is the essence of who you are. And it's a lens. And, and I have to tell you that oftentimes the lens of my life is pretty cloudy, right? It's like that mirror, that dim mirror, I always think of the mirror on the back door of my grandma's house that had become old and you couldn't hardly tell there was a figure in the mirror. The lens had become cloudy. How is your soul today? How is your soul? Because, because we've gathered together today in the presence of God to, to allow Him to move among us, to use one another, to gently wipe away the mist and the cloudiness and and to uh, make our souls lenses that people can clearly see the glory of God. Remember the, the telescope? Remember this little thing? I wasn't sure if I still had it. I had to mess through my mucky office to find it. But we talked last year about how um, a telescope is a beautiful thing, right? I, I can do this right now, but it's such, this is such a powerful scope. Wow. Um, this is such a powerful scope that, that it... Um, can barely be used in a room this small, but it makes what is small to my normal vision very large. It magnifies, right? It magnifies. But the problem is that oftentimes when I'm reaching for something like this, I look at it this way. Have you ever done this with a telescope? What happened? What ha- Cheryl, where'd you go? Itty, itty, Cheryl. I've known you since you were that big. And um, it... it it makes something that is large small if we're not careful, right? And so um, we join with Mary in crying out to God, God, let our souls be something that magnifies you to the world, to all the people that see us. God, may we be a lens through which you are made large, right? Large and in charge, God. May our souls have that effect on other people. I say that with a smile because for so many of you, your souls do that for me. Your souls magnify Jesus. But, but God's not done yet, right? He wants every moment of our lives to be a reflection of his glory. He wants us to be these instruments that he is going to use to proclaim the great news of Christ's coming the first time, the wonderful news of his coming again to every people group in the world that all of them might know, right? And, and then, again, his instrument for doing that is not a telescope. It's a human soul like yours. 
So let's pick up the story again today. Can we do that? We've been kind of following this Christmas story. Do you remember? If you were with us last week, we, we saw how God broke into Mary's world. We're guessing that she was somewhere in that 14 and 15 year old range. Her life had finally come together. She was betrothed to a, to a guy who, who looked like he had a great future, godly man with a great job. And, and, and everything looked like it was coming together. Do you remember? And then in the middle of the night, God shows up in the form of a messenger angel, Gabriel. He names him. And, and, and God speaks into her life. Do you remember that? Hail, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. And we saw two powerful emotions happening for Mary. We saw, first of all, that she was greatly troubled. This is going to mess up my life, right? I know this is going to mess up my life. I kind of would have been going, I'm crazy. I don't know what I had for dinner, but there's, some, there's a man standing in my bedroom, right? Um, she was troubled at this word. And, and, then, and then seeing that trouble, seeing her heart, Gabriel says, don't be afraid. God is breaking into our world. What was astounding to me, even this morning as we reviewed that story, was that was the first time that anybody had heard a word from God in 425 years. 425 years God had been silent. I stumble as I say that because I know for some of you, um, God has been silent for you. And, and, and you're in the same place that, that all the people of God were at that time. God, are you still there? Do you still care? Are you still present? Are you still active in my world? And God came crashing into Mary's, right? And, 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 and not only showed up, but then spoke into her life. If she was wondering what God's purpose for her life was, God spelled it out. You are going to be the one who bears the Christ. Christopher read the scripture for us. His name means the Christ bearer. Um, you are going to be the Christopher. You are going to be the Christ bearer. You are the, going to be the one who brings Christ into the world and makes him real, right? And, and, and like Zechariah, uh, six months before her, she she stumbled a little bit. Uh, she said, how can this be? Uh, I, I've never been with a man. Do you remember that? And, and, and the angel explained to her this miracle of God in us, that, that God himself would overshadow her. And, and, and this child that she bore would be mothered by her and fathered by the living God. Uh, I'm still after 45 years of walking with Jesus, trying to wrap my brain around that, I can't imagine what she was going through. I can't imagine what she was going through. But Gabriel said to her, those powerful words, do you remember them? Nothing, help me, is impossible for God, right? And for some of you last week, that was a powerful, a powerful word to you because you had huge impossibilities in your life. An angel spoke to you just like he spoke to Mary. Nothing's impossible to God. And Mary responded, Okay, I, I have no frame of reference for this. I do not completely understand it. 
but may it be done to me according to what you've said, right? We're going to pick the story up there today because God does something amazing uh, in, in Mary's life. There had been this little message of this little affirmation of Mary that while this would be a miracle that would happen to her and then through her, right, um, that that miracle had already happened for someone else. You remember? Elizabeth, your relative, in her, in her old age, way past the childbearing years, has, has become pregnant. And, and what was said to be impossible is a reality. She's going to bear a child to you. This little clue, this little clue in the Scripture, right? Well, we pick up the story today in verse 39 of chapter 1 of Luke, right? And, and what happens? It says, in those days, it's hard to understand exactly what that meant, but very soon after Mary had heard those words from the angel, she goes to visit Elizabeth. And I think my whole life, I just pictured her going down the street and banging on Elizabeth's door, right? And then I'm looking again at the Scripture, right? Not one word. Not one word of it is wasted, right? Mary, who we've been told is in Nazareth, goes to visit her sister, who is in, guess where? Judah, right? I said sister, her cousin, her relative, um, who is in, in Judah. Her husband is a priest, so we know that he's somewhere within walking distance of Jerusalem, and depending on which route that was, beloved, that's, a, that's somewhere between 80 and 120 miles, depending on which route she took in those days. And that's not going on the freeway overpasses. It's 83 miles by freeway today. 83 miles from Nazareth to, um, to Jerusalem. And the freeways kind of go over the ravines, right? But, but she didn't. She went down in the ravines and back out the other side. There's no mention in Scripture that anybody went with her. Fifteen year, Are you kidding me? I'm struggling to let my 19-year-old wander around Italy right now, right? And, and you're going to let your 15-year-old... Oh, yeah, in those days, they might have gone... Yeah, mom over there is going, no way, Jose. Don't even think about this, okay? Don't even think about this. And, uh, and they might let her go to the well in Nazareth by herself, maybe, Right? This is astounding. I'm not sure she had permission, honestly. It doesn't tell us. That is somewhere between a five and seven day journey for a 15 year old girl. We were in the same Bible study this morning, but when we were doing the, um, the trail together, the John Muir Trail, uh, you think that sounds terrible, but what quickly happens on the trail is that you find people going the same direction that you do. It doesn't tell us anything about that. All it tells us is that she, that she went there. But if she did go alone, I'm guessing that very quickly she found other pilgrims going the same direction. And, and, and there's just something beautiful about that possibility. Well, what happens? She shows up. We're not told that, that um, Elizabeth had any inkling of what was going on. And I'm going to assume that she didn't. We're not told that she did. I know that in small towns, news travels fast, right? But in that day, there was no internet, there was no phone, there was no way to get that message ahead of, of uh, Mary to Elizabeth. And so Elizabeth, not showing, maybe not even expressing any, any physical um, sign that she is pregnant, comes to uh, 
might say Elizabeth, Mary comes to Elizabeth's house and, and speaks. We don't know for sure what she said, but we know what everyone else said in those days. You know, don't you? Um, she probably said, Shalom, right? Which means, help me, peace, right? Some of you who were at the conference last weekend, keep that in mind, right? She spoke peace into the house, right? She's not sure. What if the news has gotten ahead of her? What if Elizabeth has heard already? What if Elizabeth won't even turn her face toward Mary, right? Everything is at risk. Everything is at risk. But instead, instead a bunch of things happened. Did you hear it? I know it went by fast in the scripture reading. Some of you had a chance to look more in depth during the last hour at that passage. But three things happened at least. Maybe four happened. She's six months pregnant. Gabriel, this same Gabriel, had told her husband, Zechariah, that, that the child that her, her, his, uh, his aging wife would bear would be filled with the Holy Spirit even in the womb. Gabriel had expressly said that. And, and, and Mary says, Shalom. And John kicks the slats out of Elizabeth, right? And some of you know what that's like. John kicks the slats out of Elizabeth. Whoa, right? John, muffled as it must have been, recognizes the voice of the Messiah's mother and and responds. But, but there, I, I always noted that. I always remember that passage. The part that I had not been paying attention to was what also happened for Elizabeth. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Elizabeth herself was filled with the Spirit. Well, duh, right? We all know that everyone who trusts in Jesus, oops. Everyone who's post-Pentecost, oops. We're not there yet. We're not at the time when the Holy Spirit indwelled people who had expressed faith. Elizabeth was very faithful to God. She was not filled with the Holy Spirit. And God blesses her and fills her with the Holy Spirit. Now, now we're living in an age when, um, when it was a bad, bad news thing. It was life-threatening to be pregnant out of wedlock. We're living in an age when it's life-threatening to speak on behalf of God. If you're a woman, Right? And these two women come together, filled with the Holy Spirit, and Elizabeth speaks into Mary's life. She, I'm going to say a stronger word. She prophesies into Mary's life. Remember that prophecy is, is simply foretelling God's word. Prophecy uh, doesn't necessarily mean future telling. Sometimes it does, but it just means foretelling what, what God has said. She foretells into Mary's life, right? Guess what? The exact word of affirmation that Mary needed. She says, who, who, who is it or how blessed am I that you would come into my home, you who are the mother of my Lord. And I was trying to wrap my brain around this, but picture this mature patriarch this godly woman who had suffered so much abuse her life because she didn't fit into the script, right? She didn't have a child. She had no uh, um, uh, social security network around her. 
They were childless and had trusted God in the midst of that. And, and now God fills her and uses her to speak. I'm going to go stronger. He, she submits herself before a 14 or 15-year-old. Now, you guys don't take this too seriously. Mom's not likely to do that this afternoon, okay? Before a teenager, right, and, and speaks forth God's word. Astounding. Astounding. Now, I don't know why I'm so astounded, because Joel had prophesied exactly that. That in the last days, God would pour out His Spirit on men and women, and they would, and women, and they would prophesy. They would foretell God's Word. So, we're getting a preview of what will happen at Pentecost, but, but Elizabeth is speaking into Mary's life the exact words that she needs to hear. Now, don't lose this. If I forget to come back to this later, don't lose this. God puts us together in community so that we will prophesy, so we will foretell God's Word by the power of the Holy Spirit and both, both encourage but, but also challenge one another to a greater obedience, right? And, and Elizabeth does that. So John responds. She is filled with the Holy Spirit. She prophesies. She speaks forth God's word that she did not know, best of our knowledge. No angel appeared to her, according to the scripture. God's Holy Spirit gave her that word in that moment. And if that were not enough, then she speaks blessing into Mary's life. She's exhausted. She's been on the road six plus days maybe. And she's exhausted. She's frightened to death that, that her own relative will um, shun her and turn away from her. And instead she gets this amazing blessing, this affirmation of what God is doing in her life. But Elizabeth goes further, right? Elizabeth uses two words. She uses the word eulogy. Um, uh, good word, you, eu, logos. She was a eulogy to, to bless her. And it translates in our English Bible's blessing, saying that, that generations are going to call, call you blessed, right? She speaks forth and says, this isn't just for now. You're not just blessed for this moment. But generations, in fact, a hundred of them, I think, I don't know where we're in there, 97 or 98 right now, generations are going to say, yeah, this teenager was blessed by God. Don't be confused. I know that different cultures, different um, um, Christian backgrounds respond differently than maybe you or I are comfortable with, with Mary, right? Um, um, uh, some of our cultures, they elevate Mary to a thing that I think is far beyond what the scripture implies. Um, they, they call her a queen of heaven. They impute to her sinlessness. No, she was just a teenager. She was just a teenager who believed what the angel said, who believed that all things are possible with God and who risked saying, let it happen to me. I have no frame of reference for this, but I trust you. I trust you, God. Let it happen to me, right? But now Elizabeth is saying 2,000 years from now in a little town called Evansville, Indiana, there's going to be people that affirm this truth, Mary, that you are blessed among all women. Um, and, and we speak a good word about her. I don't have any compunction of saying Mary is 
amazingly blessed woman. I'm grateful for her obedience, like I'm grateful for the obedience of every saint who's gone before me, right? But then she changes the words. Then she uses a word that you and I discovered through the, the Sermon on the Mount, makarios. Then she uses another word that both of them translate as blessing, but now we're using a word that we discovered meant kissed by God, right? Remember that? Kissed by God. And she says, kissed by God are you. This other blessing is for generations to come, but I got one for you right now, Mary. Kissed by God are you because you believed what the Lord said to you through that angel, right? You believed it. You risked believing it. So, wow, wow. Where, where do you find yourself in this story? Some of us are going, this is just, this is just out of my frame of reference. Um, I understand. It's out of mine, too. If you open your heart to the possibility that there is a God who is sovereign over every circumstance of the world, but who's sovereign over every circumstance of your life, even something that looks terrible, even that something that you have no frame of reference with, that looks like we saw last week for Mary, meant either certain death or at best being shunned the rest of her life, even something that looks terrible. God is doing something wonderful. If you're in Elizabeth's situation, you've been crying out to God for decades for him to respond and, and nothing has happened. And you're, and you're so tempted to think it, it must not be true. God must not exist. Or if he does, he certainly doesn't love me, right? And you begin to slide toward all the accusations of your own heart and the accusations of the evil one that God couldn't possibly love you. If you find yourself in, in, in that situation, hold on, right? It wasn't that God wasn't hearing. It was that God had something much greater than Elizabeth could ever comprehend in store for her. And then here's this beautiful thing that happens. God puts... Two people, um, both open to the Holy Spirit moving in their life, filled with the Holy Spirit, both having responded in obedience to the little information that they had. God puts two people together and they encourage one another. They encourage. Last week we camped on the importance of obedience. Um, when God speaks of you responding, and I, I just want to emphasize that again, He will speak differently in every single one of our lives. But, but today I want you to see the beauty that, that happens when, when a person who God has spoken to risks going and sharing that information. Look at it from both perspectives. When Mary risks this journey... That's, by the way, if I didn't say it earlier, that's from here to Louisville on her own, right? Um, risks the journey so that, so that she might be able to be with someone else who might understand. When Elizabeth risks letting God's Spirit fill her and then speaking not only prophecy, but blessing into someone else's life, the astounding 
consequences that it's more than you can imagine. I didn't think I'd have time for this, and, but I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to let you out 10 minutes early. You would, you would think you died and went to heaven. Um, that's coming. That's coming, but we're not there yet, okay? Listen with me just for another thought. The first time that Elizabeth, excuse me, Zechariah heard God's voice was the first time that God had spoken in 425 years. And, um, and it, it begs the question, what was the last thing that God had spoken, right? What was the last thing that God had spoken before that 400 years of silence? Well, if I was going to look for it, I would look at the end of the Old Testament, right? I would look in that little book um, of Malachi at the end. If you have a Bible near you, would you look there with me? So about the last third of the Bible is the New Testament. Um, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. If somebody has a Red Pew Bible, will you tell me the page number of Malachi chapter, well, the end of Malachi, Malachi chapter 4? Does anybody have it? One more time. 802 in the Red Pew Bible, I think. The last thing that that God had spoken through his prophets before that 400-year period of silence was this. Um, Malachi 4, verse 5. Behold, looky here. Don't miss this. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land. Who was Elijah? Elijah simply means the Lord, he is God, right? Who was? Well, Jesus helps us. Jesus tells us that Elijah had come, right? And that Elijah was his cousin, John the Baptist, the one who kicked the slats out of Elizabeth. The last word we hear in the Old Testament is intimately connected with the first word from God we hear in the New Testament that, that Elizabeth is going to bear that child. That's fascinating to me. But come with me one more step. Are you still there? Are you still there? Turn back um, a couple of verses to Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 and following, right? Follow with me. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, right? The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day that I make up my treasured possession I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Elizabeth and, and Mary caught on to something that is important for you and I. We need to respond in obedience when God speaks. And for those of you still wrestling with that, I just want to encourage you. God is faithful. He will enable you to do what he has asked of you. But then, but then remember that 
that he does marvelous things when people come together to encourage one another. Now, I know that you get this. Most of you are involved somewhere in a small group or a smaller fellowship where you have these encouraging opportunities. My cry to you is to think about those who don't have such a place. To remember that there's all kinds of people all around you, in your families, in your, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, in our city who don't have that. God might be speaking and there's no one who affirms for them, no one who speaks blessing into their life, no one who speaks prophecy. You might be that woman. You might be that man whom God uses to confirm faith in someone else. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that, well, and I've shared with you two stories in the last couple of weeks of, of, I just happened to waltz in at the end of someone's spiritual journey. And because I was willing to risk speaking into a person's situation, I, I got the privilege of being there right at the moment where they crossed the line and entrusted their life to Christ. And it is an amazing experience. I got to go up Friday to Wabash Prison and, and watch as one of our own, Mark Taylor, who had been for a year and a half pouring his life into 15 guys in there, how they all saw me and, and came up to me and, 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 and said, Mark's told us all about you. And I thought, oh boy, hope he hasn't told you everything. And, and, and how they're so excited uh, about God's call on their life. Oh God, you might be the person that God uses to affirm that in someone else. You might be the next Elizabeth or Mary. You might be the next John the Baptist who prepares the way for the coming of the Messiah in someone's life. Don't just survive these holidays. Don't, don't, don't live to just get through them. Open your heart to what God might do through you in them. And you'll be astounded at the impossibilities that fall in the face of the presence of Jesus through you. Pray with me, would you? I'll thank you, God, that you give each of us precious souls. And God, in your sovereign will, you have awakened many of our spirits, God. You have... You have caused us to be born again so that our souls can, can, can experience for the first time the light of your presence so that, so that through our spirits, your Holy Spirit might take up its dwelling in, in our lives. But God, my, my heart turns today for, for the people that encounter our bodies. God, where we have allowed other things to cloud the lens, which is our soul, where we have allowed other um, uh, experiences or our own sin, God, to mar the surface so that there's not a magnification. I just pray in Jesus' name that you would wash over us right now, that you would, would forgive us our sins where we're not even conscious. We have suppressed it so much that we're not even aware of our sin. Holy Spirit, bring it to the forefront so that we might offer it to you. And then, and then, God, I just ask that our lives could be a lens that magnifies the greatness of our God. Our lips could be the lips that, that speak forth your truth into other people's lives, that speak blessing over 
those who are desperately needing some, some love with flesh on, someone who will affirm what you, they believe you're saying to them. And God, I, I think of our families. I know that, that, that you will richly bless us if we will only risk obedience to you. I think of our workplaces, many of us not even wanting to go there to our workplaces, and yet you have sovereignly placed us there to be a light and a lens of the glory of Christ. God, what could you do if we added our name to that book of remembrance? What would you do through us, God, that 2,000 years from now, should you tarry, Jesus, people would be rejoicing and celebrating. Now we love you, God. And we entrust this holy season to you. We ask you to glorify yourself in us and through us. And God, we rejoice that what you say you will do will happen. We love you, God. We sing out your name, Jesus. We cry out praise to you. Hallelujah. No matter where we come from, no matter what we've experienced, we choose to praise your name. 